Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Monday, talking some USC Trojan football with Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, harveyhyde.com. We were both out there Saturday at USC's arguably best practice of the spring, the most physical for sure. So we're going to talk all about that and answer any questions you have about the Trojan football team. If you have questions, our email address is podcast at uscfootball.com. Our voicemail number and text line is 424-254-9141. That's 424-254-9141. Call us, leave a brief voicemail, text us. Uh, we love to hear from you. So any of those ways, you can email, you can call, you can send us a text. Find us on iTunes, itunes.com slash podcast or any of your favorite podcasting apps. Let us know. Give us a five-star rating, positive review. We love it. Tell your friends if they're Trojan fans, hey, you should be listening to the Peristyle Podcast too. We'll keep it rolling through the whole offseason. One week of spring football left, but we do want to talk about what happened over the weekend, a very physical practice. We got some news and notes to get to. All of that with the coach, Coach Harvey Hyde. What is up, Coach? How you doing, sir? Well, a great day. I tell you, beautiful weather here in Southern California. I don't know where you're – if you're on the East Coast – you might not be able to say that, but it's beautiful weather here in Southern California, and it was a great Saturday scrimmage. A lot of things happening uh, in the world of football. NFL draft not too far away. Uh, spring recruiting uh, going strong for everyone. So, uh, you know, I always say football is year-round now. So, uh, Ryan, you were busy all weekend, and I'm sure that everybody else is looking forward to more football, and there's discussions and talks about a new football league uh, that would be starting uh, right after the Super Bowl next year. And I understand Steve Spurrier has been named by J.K. McKay as the coach in Florida. So we can talk about that as we go along, too. Yeah, there's so much going on. It is a year-round deal. Um, I was out all day yesterday at El Camino College for the Adidas 7-on-7 National Championships. Teams from all over the country were flown into Southern California. So some opportunities for unofficial visits, a good thing for USC. A lot of these prospects, we filmed a whole bunch of them, did a bunch of interviews. So you can see all that stuff up at uscfootball.com. Tons of uh, information there. Uh, before we jump into the show, wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. You can go to sctickets.com or give them a call at one 800 888-7287 to get tickets for anything here in Southern California or across the country. doesn't just have to be a sporting event. Hey, man, you want to go check out the Angels? They're starting to play better. You want to see the Dodgers, see if they can make a run back to the World Series or any one of your favorite teams across the country. It's going to be baseball through most of the summer, so a lot of baseball stuff. But if you want to go to a concert or uh, a play or you want to see you know your favorite musical act anywhere, go to sctickets.com and they can help you out. Um, we didn't have a show with Car- Coach Harvey Hyde last week. It was Easter, but we did put up our April Fools. It was also April Fools. And I mentioned this during the Dan Weber show last week, but kind of in the middle. So just to let people know, if you you know are only normally listening to the Car- Harvey Hyde shows and you heard it last week, sounded a little different because we had our friends over at Raina Troy take over our show. 
try to mimic us. Instead of uh, me and the coach, it was me and Keely because it's a boy-girl combo with Michael and Alicia. And Keely and I did the same thing to their show, uh, Reign of Troy Radio. We took that one over. So you can listen to both if you like it. But there was a couple comments um, I want to read before we jump into everything else. Keely, Alicia, Ryan, Michael, great Easter podcast by the four of you. Really wanted to commend you on the changeup. I'm having fun with it. Love both your sites. Keep up the great work, Ed, in the Bay Area. Thanks for that, Ed. And then we have uh, Keith. He said, finally got a chance to listen to your April 1st podcast after hearing about them on the Ryan and Dan podcast. Oh, so you didn't know that. He said, I got to say I laughed uh, my butt off, in a bad word, <laughs> a lot. He said, acting awards. Michael, most sarcastic or really snarkastic. Alicia was the silliest and trying to remember what Keeley says or does. Keeley had the best acting portrayal portrayal of Alicia, so she nailed it. Ryan, best target for being picked on. Yeah, Michael picked on me a lot. Uh, on a serious note, I want to thank you for discussing the change in Coach Bradford. During the past season, I wrote both podcasts about how poorly the de defensive backs looked, especially the corners with their hands, their technical skills were weak, and they continued to rely on their superior athleticism, which got them through their high school days, essentially being young, uh, being men among boys. That does not fly at this level of college. Now that people are noticing Bradford doing the skills work with the DBs and people noticing their improvement, I feel a bit vindicated, especially since Alicia summarily dismissed my observations during the season. It's also really good to hear, uh, see here the way the DBs are now playing. Uh, yes, I know it's only spring. Using their hands and footwork to live up to their potential. Hopefully we do have that lockdown defense. It looks like we're going to have. Keep up the good work. Fight on from Keith. So maybe, Coach, I, mean, I know you weren't part of the uh, the crossover show, but thanks for the comments on that. But maybe talk about what you saw from the defensive backs and any kind of improvement there for Keith. Well, uh, Keith, uh, I think that there's more depth there. And, of course, Jack Jones isn't out there. I think they're playing uh, with a little bit more confidence. They certainly are playing physical. I like the way that they're hitting and tackling and and uh, – and, and moving around, I still think there's a little uh, question mark on the deep routes against them. They got hit twice with deep passes uh, in the scrimmage. I think there's somewhat of a little question mark. The safety got over there one time, and one time he didn't. Uh, so, you know, you've got to be tested. You've got to throw that route to test them, and you've got to make sure that they're aware of all the different things that you have to do. It's a very difficult position to play, especially if you're a corner guy. But you're asked to do it all, cover, tackle, blitz, do all different type of things. And you've got to make sure that the secondary is communicating uh, among themselves so there isn't a big break, as our caller call, or breakdown, as there was in games, such as the Colorado game and other games when guys are wide open and they're just a breakdown. You can play, you can play 12 straight plays, perfect football, and you make one mistake in the secondary, and it's a touchdown. So you've got to be really careful with that. Uh, I think they've come along. I think they're a better unit than they were a year ago. But, again, we don't really know, and they don't really have a real combination yet set on who's going to be the safeties. I think there's some really good potential good players out there. When you have talent, it's then your responsibility as a coach to put them in a position where they can become successful and make sure they're playing the positions, too, at a very uh, high-level uh, ability if you look at the recruits and uh, who they have back there, they're all four and five play, star players. And uh, if the evaluators and everyone knows uh, uh, what a player looks like and they've decided to recruit these players at USC, USC 
uh, recruits the top players in the country, at least they try to, then you ought to have a pretty good secondary. So Lockett's coming back, and I think Lockett's, uh, you know, there. Uh, I, I want to make sure that they have speed on the corners. I'm not quite sure of that yet. If they really have the, the blazing speed of a Stewart or a Griffin, the uh, two freshmen that are coming in, I think you need to have guys that can play man with a lot of confidence and have the feeling that nobody can run away from them. And I'm not sure they have that yet. I'll have to uh, be proven that uh, when I watch them play more because I'm not sure, except for Jones, who really is a blazer for USC as far as a receiver. I mean, I don't know if USC has. And I'm just talking. I don't have a clock, and I don't time them. But in uniform, you run a little bit different than when you do in shorts. And, uh, you know, you've got to be able to have somebody that can go deep on you that people worry about. And right now, and you can cover them. And right now, I'm not, I'm not really sure uh, if they have that type of, of speed and if the defensive backs have had to worry about covering a guy that runs really legit 4-5, four, 4-4. Four, four. And I think Jones has been one that has hurt them on the deep patterns because he can't. He, uh, he did. He had his best practice probably of the spring um, on Saturday. And we want to talk about that. We want to get more of your thoughts on what you saw but before we do that, I know there's a, an event coming up that you wanted to mention uh, about Keith Jackson. So maybe kind of share what you had to say about that. And then we'll start talking about the uh, the, the pre-spring game, I guess you could say. The last scrimmage before the whatever spring. It's not really a spring game, but the final you know, spring scrimmage of, of spring football. Thank you, Ryan. I, I really want to mention this because I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that admired Keith Jackson, as I did, as far as the voice of college football now he's called the voice of college football but he did every event there was in the world of sporting in fact he did a football game one afternoon in texas and did the olympics that evening in mexico one yet in one day so he's done every sport that there is in college football from monday night football to nascar it doesn't make any difference what it is to rowing crew uh, all the different things that he's done but, you know, he was known as the voice of the Rose Bowl. He did the Rose Bowl 15 years. So a celebration of life is going to be held this Sunday there in the Rose Bowl. It's going to be really a, a tremendous celebration for Keith. Uh, I'm going to be uh, lucky enough to be one of the speakers. And one thing I'm going to mention, he did 15 Rose Bowl games. But he's really now doing the 16th Rose Bowl game because all the partners that work with him and and broadcasters that he brought through the ranks that are still broadcasting now that work by his side will be speaking. Uh, the gates are going to open at 3. The uh, event itself will go from 4 to 6. Some of the speakers that will be speaking is Tim Bryant will be the MC. Remember Tim Bryant, Bob Greasy, Todd Harris, Lynn Swan. Ann Myers Drysdale, uh, Jason Greaser, quarterback to play to Washington State, who's close to their family. There's going to be videos from uh, Kenny Chesney, who's very close to him. I made that introduction, along with also uh, Roy Firestone. Uh, it's going to be quite an event. It's and then there's some surprises too that will be there. And uh, it's just going to be a real celebration. Uh, no tickets, no cost. It's going to be in the south end of the Rose Bowl. And it'll just be a great opportunity to see people talk about a great broadcaster. And Keith Jackson and how many careers he actually started and all the experiences that they have working with him. 
So I just want to make uh, everybody aware of that. That's this Sunday the 15th at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. Gates open at 6. No tickets required. 4 to 6 as far as the celebration of life. And uh, I just want everybody to know that, uh, Ryan, and uh, just uh, because of who he was and what's happening in Southern California. That sounds great. So great event on Sunday. Um, check it out. And it's free. So uh, if you're a big Keith Jackson fan and you got some time on Sunday, hopefully you can go. You're here in Southern California. Hope you can go check it out. Um, coach, so I would say of the, 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 the practices I've seen this spring, what I saw Saturday was maybe the most encouraging, probably the best one, mo- most physical practice. I don't know if you agree, but we'll kind of get your – I know you had a lot of thoughts on what you saw out there. Give us your thoughts on, on what it looked like to you on Saturday. Well, uh, Ryan and listeners, I tried to spend a lot of time by myself for once, not uh, talking to everybody, but actually really studying USC. I had a chance on Thursday to watch another four-year university. I won't mention that school. And sort of compare the Trojans and on where they are with others, personal-wise and, and hitting and everything else as far as from one practice to the other. And I think that when I watched it, uh, I agree with you, I think it was the best practice of the year, but I think that they learned a lot from this. And if I was evaluated, which I would as a coach, I would say they lacked this type of practice the entire spring. They lacked the scrimmage part of it, and I think that showed and what I mean by that is because of the officials that were there, the the thinking process you have to do as a player, the snap count, the penalties uh, that were called, uh, legal procedures, offside, delay of games, if they were calling delay of games, defensive penalties, and so on. And this all comes, what do you, how many times have you heard me say uh, you become a football team and a football player by playing football? And Saturday did did this. And when they did this, you know, you always worry about players getting hurt. No one got hurt because everybody was spirited. There was a good crowd there. People got after it. There was competition going on. And, of course, uh, cross your fingers always if somebody doesn't get hurt. But as a team, they made progress. They became a better football team this past Saturday. Now, Going back, yes, it's easy to go back, and you've heard me talk about this and reevaluate yourself, but when you, when you do this type of hitting, you have more to teach on tape. You have more to teach kids as far as how you, what you did right and what you did wrong, and we've got to clean this up and clean that up. And from this tape on Saturday, they can do a lot of that because it was more or less like a game type of situation and getting after it. And you can always evaluate your conditioning of the team, too. And I thought that basically the offense wore the defense down. I thought the defense was not conditioned to to go against a hurry-up type of offense, which I actually saw USC do. And I think that's why some of the penalties were on USC's offense, because they weren't set or they it was really trying to put it in the real type of position of a game. And uh, they did that. And I think they wore the defense down. I think the defense was not conditioned to be able to go against a hurry-up offense, yet they only went, what, 50 plays or whatever. But I think it showed. And I think that another thing that I liked is I thought the offensive line really did get off the ball. They did a lot of man blocking. And to me, I haven't seen that when guys get off the football, really fire off the football. Now what they got to do is finish the block. But they were coming off the football. 
and they were trying to maintain their blocks, and they were aggressive on the offensive line, and I'm not quite sure if the defense uh, saw that. Now, the defense early in the scrimmage dominated. Why? They were they were fired up. Their conditions. Uh, Sears started through an interception, got the momentum going their way on the defense, was celebrating, jumping up and down and doing all this. But, you, you know, uh, the game's not over in the first series of play. I like the way that uh, they ran the one fly series where Jones came across the face of the offense and scored a touchdown to stretch the field. And, you know, it's not the number of plays you run, the different types of plays. It's how you select them as far as making the defense stay in a standard type of position where they have to respect all holes, all gaps, and and not be able to pursue themselves out of the play. And, and I think Cedric uh, Ware is a – a back who likes to cut back before he likes to hit the hole. He likes to be a cutback back. So the linebackers really a lot of times over-pursue the play, and he hit that. Also learned that when they run the read play, they really don't read the read it. They, they hand the ball off. It was the quarterback when he kept the ball two plays in a row. If you remember that, Ryan, if he'd have given the ball to where he'd still been running, he'd have been somewhere in Bakersfield now. But he kept the ball, and really he should have given the ball. And then they came back and ran to keep the other way, too. So they found a way at least to stretch the defense. But if you're going to run the quarterback, you've got to really read it. So if it's there, you hand it off, and people know that uh, you're either reading it or, or running the football. So I noticed that. I thought that uh, the defense uh, was aggressive. Uh, I thought that uh, the offense uh, <clears throat> played strong at the end. Uh uh, I think Matt Fink had a had a good scrimmage. Uh, he doesn't have the strength of an arm to throw across the field on an out, <clears throat> but they did throw that. Excuse me for clearing my throat. And I thought Coach Helton, I liked the way he coached Saturday. I mean, at one time he called all the quarterbacks together himself without the quarterback coach and talked to him a little bit after the first or second series, told him what he thought, told him what they needed to improve on, and I liked that. I love to see that even during the games when a head coach goes over and talks to a group of kids that maybe struggle a little bit in the first series that needs to settle down in the first half and, and do some things. But I think they need to clean up on the penalties, finish their blocks on the offensive side of the football, uh, continue to throw the ball because deep and uh, be able to throw more passes than just quick passes. I mean, where they are able to sit back there and read the coverages and be able to throw the ball. Actually, they run about three routes. They ran the fly. They ran the the the, the, the quick outs. They ran the uh, slot across the middle of the field. They didn't really utilize the tight end much at all. And uh, But as an offensive practice for in a defensive practice in special teams, I evaluated the kickers. I think right now, uh, as far as the kicking game is concerned, uh, I was happy. They made, I think, every field goal except for one or maybe two. They moved around the field. I think McGrath is the kicker as far as the, the PAT and field goal kicker. As far as what I saw, he, he kicked pretty uh, consistently. I thought Fitz is the punter. Uh, I think he'll, he's won the punting uh, deal. Uh, one thing I wasn't quite uh, satisfied was the consistency of the height and distance of the kicks because they were kicking for distance and I didn't really think there was a consistency but I think the punter is 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 fits right now at the end of spring as far as 
I know we have three or four more days to go. I'm sorry I'm rambling on, but guys, I really did watch this practice for us, myself and you. And I think the officials brought a lot to the scrimmage. And my ending comment is they got better on Saturday, and I wish they'd have started this scrimmage like this on the first first Saturday or the first day they could hit with these new rules. Not a call out, but every Saturday you'd play a football game and you play it so you have something to teach off of on the film. Um, Finished. Yeah, interesting there. So Thomas, so you're talking about Thomas Fitz on the punting thing. So yeah. I, I really haven't been noticing. So he moved over from uh, quarterback to kicker. So you didn't think, like, I really haven't watched the punters. I don't really care. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, just, I just Saturday, you know, where you yeah. did watch it. So yeah. Bud Ravitch, I don't even know, like, I assume Budrovich was out there punting too, but um, yeah, he was. He uh, was okay. But you, so Fitz look actually looked better. I thought so. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah. I mean, uh, full disclosure, he got like, more height on the ball and was more consistent. Yeah. One's right-handed foot foot kicker and his left footed. Yeah, um, I like. I really don't pay attention. To- People well, ask you know, like, you know, I just wanted to have a complete report. Yeah, this thing. no, that's great. And you know what I loved about it—the swim with Mike forced the offensive line to do drills in front of us, and I love looking at that. I love watching them, and that's why I saw some of the techniques of actual man fire out blocking, which I really liked. And if you watched it, uh, the scrimmage, you saw that they were they were getting uh, some aggressive blocking on the offensive line, especially when the defensive line got tired. The defense got tired, whether anybody noticed that or not. I watch all that stuff, and and uh, Clay Helton, you can condition any way you want, but all that rolling around on the ground and running at the end of practice it doesn't condition a football player. Pursuiting do, pursuit does, and, and getting a team lined up and run a play and run the distance of the football field for a touchdown is what brings enthusiasm and and conditioning if you want to do it that way. But if you do running at the end of the practice and, and try to condition the entire practice, people are thinking about what I have to do at the end of practice, and they're not thinking about going all out as far as in practice, because they're thinking about it as whether you say they love it or not, they don't love it. It's a punishment to them. So they save their energy because they know they have to run. Yeah. So if you're going to have them run, have them do it in a football way of running. Pursue, intercept the pass, run it back for a touchdown. Okay, good. Part of football. Uh, run a power play. The whole team runs down to the end of the field, scores a touchdown. Uh, you can do it that way, but just rolling around and doing bear rolls and all that's in the ground. I mean, uh, that's pop winner shot. <laughs> so lots Come of on, po- coach. Come on, coach. That's, so I'm impressed, though. Lots of positive stuff, lots of positive stuff. But then you take a little shot at the end. So that's good. I like that. Well, no, good. it's not, not a shot. It's just a- <laughs> Can you tell me, does that make sense to you, Ron? What do you mean? Uh, when you know you're going to run gassers and all this stuff at the end of practice, you save a little bit. I, I never really thought of it that way, and it's very interesting. And I do remember back um, like preparing for the Orange Bowl under Pete Carroll and when they allowed Oklahoma media members to watch, and they thought this team can't be that conditioned because they didn't do any of that stuff after practice. And if you watched USC practice at the time, it was – Quick, quick between stations. There was no standing around. There was no waiting. It was you conditioned during practice. I think that's what people didn't get. So I get. It. I mean, that's USC certainly have had success doing it a different way uh, before under Pete Carroll. And, but there, you know, there's plenty of coaches that that do that too. So, um, so 
the quarterback play. So Jack Sears maybe had his worst practice ever uh, during that week leading up to Saturday's uh, practice with uh, like three interceptions. It just was not – he did not complete a pass during team session. So during any of the competitive periods where it was full 11 on 11, he did not complete a pass. I believe that was Tuesday. It might have been Thursday, but my days are getting mixed up. But he had a much better day after the opening interception couple of long passes to, to, to Jones that you had mentioned. Um, and really, for Jones, that was his best day because he's got that speed, but it just never seems to connect on those deep balls, just the fly routes or whatever. And it worked a couple of times. Plus, he had like an end around or a pitch or something that he ran out for a touchdown. So, great day for Jones. But Tark had a question. Did Jack Sears, does his play in the scrimmage show that he has great potential? What do you think? Well, he's a kid, okay? And uh, he's playing at a different speed now, and he's got a lot of pressure on him, and I think it really shows the difference of Matt Fink being a redshirt uh, freshman and him being a true freshman. I think it shows the difference as far as uh, a year makes so much difference in the maturity of a, a young man, no matter what position you play. And I think Fink plays it more a positive type of confidence in himself. He's actually played in a real game, not a lot, but he's had success as far as running the football, 49 yards, and forget uh, uh, for a touchdown, I think there was, against somebody. And these other things, at least he's been he's been that. And you know how much difference that makes to a kid as far as confidence. And I noticed Sears was sort of hanging his head a little bit at the end of the first series or two, and I noticed that at halftime that he was sort of, you know, I, I watched the way kids run to one drill to the next, and he was the last one to run down to the quarterbacks when they got together on the other field. I look at things like that, and that means he's got a little dejection. He's not happy with what he did. He needs some word of encouragement. Yet, you know, these two kids are uh, kids that uh, – Got a lot of pressure on them. They know everybody's watching them every day. You are, I am. Who do they, everybody talk about every day in the media? The quarterback situation. Uh, so, and then they have over their head that Daniels is standing on the sideline, and, and everybody's talking about Daniels coming in too. So, they've got that type of uh, feeling. And again, you know, they're throwing them to the wolves too. I mean, they didn't like uh, they're giving them situations always where they can be. Successful. I mean, they're putting pressure on him, and and they're they're having to do quick reads. And when he threw that interception, he just threw a bad ball, and they got a touchdown. I mean, he just threw a bad ball. He sort of panicked and make a play. Really, it was more panic in that pass than it was why he threw it. So I think that uh, it's tough to give you that type of evaluation for me to tell you if he's got the ability. And certainly in high school, I liked him. Uh, is he going to be the answer currently right now? It's how he matures and how he grows up and how how mentally tough he's going to be to be able to go through a Saturday when he doesn't have a great day or a week of practice. He doesn't feel sorry for himself and how they coach him up. And it's the same thing. You know, he's one play away from playing. That's the way you got to tell me, hey, kid, you're one play away from starting right now. There isn't a lot of depth at quarterback, so you've got to maintain and encourage these kids to perform at their ability because you selected them. You recruited them as a coaching staff. Uh, he's there because you offered him a scholarship. So don't blame the kid. Uh, you got to get out there and coach this kid now. You recruited him. 
you got to make him a football player because what's your choices? So get out there and do it. Make him a star. Tell him he's going to be a star because you don't want to put him in this position. The uh, sort of a follow-up to that from Tarek, uh, it seems that Clay Hilton is just hoping that JT Daniels will come in and save the day. I don't, I don't know if that's the case, but, but isn't that a bit too much pressure on a true freshman? So maybe talk about that, Coach, but also the pressure of having him kind of hanging out at practice and when those two quarterbacks, Fink and Sears, don't perform well, all, like you mentioned, all everyone's talking about is JT Daniels coming in. It's like he's looking over their shoulder and he's not even you know out of high school yet. No, I agree with that. And if I was Clay Hilton or the team, I'd be happy he is coming in because uh, that's going to force those two to have that type of pressure and become a great football player. And competition breeds competition and makes you a better football player. you got to be able to compete or you're not going to play. So uh, I hope JT Daniels is a great football player. He certainly has been in high school. I've talked to a lot of high school coaches that that have uh, played against him and watched him uh, uh, play, and they think he certainly does have the ability. But, again, it's bringing him in, putting him in a situation where he can be successful too. It's going to be a different speed in the game. He is a great player, won a lot of games. But, again, he has to do it on a different stage now, a different field. And uh, you've got to be able to surround him with the type of players that makes him successful and do the things where he has success as well as the other two guys. And uh, we'll see what happens. Because uh, when he comes in, he's obviously not going to line up his number one. And he's going to have to prove to everybody on the team and, and to the quarterbacks who have been there that he is the best. Because... When it comes time to playing your first game, your players know who the best quarterback is. Everyone knows who the best quarterback is. Neither one of these quarterbacks or any of them have any experience whatsoever as far as playing college division one football, except for Matt Fink, 10 plays or whatever he played. So, you know, if you were to ask anybody that played on the offensive side of the football or the defensive side of the football, who's the best quarterback, they know. Because they see him every day and they play against him and who they fear the most and who brings the confidence to them and all the different things that happen on the field. So the process takes care of the process. You just wait and see what happens. We also had a question about a potential star in the making. Uh, David and Agora Hills, he said, I went to practice Saturday and the guy that stood out most to me was freshman safety Talanoa Hufunga. He had several tackles and an interception and was always around the ball. Do you think Clancy will give him some playing time if he continues to stand out? Thank you and fight on, um, David. I don't remember if he had the interception last Saturday or this Saturday, but it, so this might have been a question from before. But what do you think about Talanoa Hufunga? I think it was last Saturday, but when he said he should have had a second one. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think you're right. Uh, I like it. I like him. I like the way he flies around. I like the way he plays. And and I'm going to tell you, if Clancy's going to give him a shot, he's going to play his best player. I'm going to tell you that right now. I think Bubba Bowden's playing a lot, too. I think he's a great player, too. But you got to get your players on the field. I mean, uh, hey, I'm not going to burn a redshirt year out of player and just let him play once in a while. you got to get your best players. you got to get them there early. I, I tell you, you're opening with UNLV. 
and then you've got Stanford and you got Texas. You better be ready to play. You got four quarters of football live against another Division One university, and then you're going to go against some guys that are live, 100% live. You're going to be on the road at both these places, so you better have the experience and you better have the type of workouts and you better not have illegal procedures and you better not hold and you better tackle and you better cover the field with your best players. And using a a great player like him and playing only a few plays at special teams is, is ridiculous. you got to get your players on the field. I noticed they played Levi Jones uh, quite a bit on Saturday on certain situations. I'm glad he's getting on the field. And uh, I think that uh, they've got to get reps and they've got to get in there to play. And you've got to be able to evaluate them on film and teach them. And I don't know if he's going to start. I have no idea. But he's going to make everybody else better because they know darn well they got a guy coming, breathing right down their throat that you better do the right things. Otherwise, I'm not going to be there. And same with other every other position on that team. You better have that type of attitude. Otherwise, someone's going to be breathing down your throat. I, I like a couple of tackles that are coming along. I like the freshman kid, McKenzie. I think he's going to be a great player someday. I know he's a young player. But he's got size. He's coming. I think he's pushing Chuma. I really do. I think Chuma's a better football player now. He can be. He, Chuma can be as good as he wants to be, okay? It's just how good do you want to be, Chuma. I'd tell him that. Uh, I, you know, how good do you want to be? I mean, you played so much football now. Do you want to be a great player or you just want to be a player? And I think that you've got to have these type of players, Johnson and, and the other side, Jackson, they're having a great battle over there. I think that makes both of them better. And the Brown and the Warriors, I think they're better. Uh, we'll see what happens at center. Lobodon, I saw him uh, after practice out there. He's a big, good-looking kid. I feel sorry for him because he hadn't had a lot of turns of playing football the last uh, year last spring he didn't have any turns and he got hurt again I mean this is a key year for him and I'll tell you he's the key to the offensive line I think you got to get in get him in there and uh, and lead this offensive line and get after people man you got to get after people so we'll see what happens uh, I think that kid does have a great chance if he's not starting he's sure going to make somebody a better football player yeah, there's uh, some some talent there, coach, and uh, you know it's it's refined down there. Fourteen guys, uh, you know, now so we'll see how they how they they end up. But I think it could be uh, there's some potential there. We'll see. Um, we had another question, unless you had any more comments on that. Uh, this one's about Cam Smith. Um, he came back to be an All American. Do you think it's possible that Iman Marshall came back because he wants to win? a national championship he promised on signing day back in 2015. What do you think about Iman Marshall? Well, I think he came back because he needed to. Yeah, I agree, 100%. Uh, I mean, I don't care about national championships. I mean, yeah, we care about it, but we're talking about an individual. He needed to come back and, and play football and prove himself. Last year, he didn't have a good year. I mean, if he was satisfied with that year as a as a football player, man, and I think he's a good kid. Nothing against him; he's got good size and everything. But he didn't have the corner. He didn't have the confidence in playing corner. I mean, uh, people were critical, including myself, of his play and lack of confidence and holding or getting uh, penalties and you know getting beat. 
So he he wasn't ready to go out. So I, I think he came back uh, to become a better football player. Worry about winning national championships and worry about all that other stuff later. That comes along with your entire team's performance, not what you promised yourself. You just got to do your best and get yourself ready to play. And I think that's why he came back. And uh, I think he will become a better football player. And uh, I hope he does. So uh, that's why I think he came back. And, and again, uh, he's going to become a better football player because there's guys that can play as good or better than him. And he knows that. So he better push himself, too, or he's going to be sitting down. And unless they play the right guys, you're going to have people that are, aren't happy in the secondary. So as a marshal, you better play because there's somebody that wants your job. So that makes you a better football player, too. Yeah, I think the, the increased depth uh, helps with competition, and I think that helps there too. But I agree. I don't think Elon Marshall was thinking, man, I really need to win a national championship. I think it's not like he wouldn't like to. Of course he would like to, but I think it was more about his plan was to leave in three years, to be gone. And he just didn't have the tape to do it, you know, end up getting hurt and all that. To be to get to that next level, which is his ultimate goal, he's going to have to come back and and put uh, and show everybody, hey, I can play this position. So, um, you know, we'll see. But I, yeah, I, I wouldn't think that's the reason he <laughs> he wasn't feeling. Oh, I need to win a national championship. He would like to, but he really needs to help himself in the draft. Now, let me make that clear too. It's not just Marshall. I think that if it wasn't for the money, and every player stayed for four years or Richard year five years, they'd all be better football players, okay? So I'm not just saying Marshall needs I think they all need it. A lot of these guys coming out early, uh, a lot of them aren't ready to go to the NFL. Yeah, but they go because of the financial benefits and the need to, uh, to financially help support people. So uh, if that wasn't there, they'd all become a better football player. And in some cases, I think they're more mature and better, and they get their degrees, and I think college has a, a reason to go to college and to be there four years. So I think you lack something and lose something when you come out early. So it's not just him. I, I think everybody should. I, I don't like this coming out early rule, but again, you play by the rules. All right, we got one last one. So this, so Daniel in L.A. Daniel, thanks for the voicemail, but it was about three minutes long. We can't. You can have your own show, but we can't play like three minute long voicemail. Sorry about that. Um, but the gist of his voicemail, Coach, and I'll get your thoughts. He was talking about growing up in the Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll era. He says USC has the talent to be that way again. He thinks USC should be the Alabama of the West Coast, no question. But he thinks they need coaching. you got to coach him up to be the best. He doesn't like what the coaches are saying, especially going on with the quarterbacks. He feels that they're making excuses. He says they are not ready to start the season. The quarterbacks are. And he doesn't think this staff is capable of making the playoffs. He's just hoping for the best right now. So what words of advice do you have for, for Daniel, Coach? Well, Daniel, the best thing uh, I would do is uh, adjust your thinking to saying, hey, this is what it is. I mean, I can't, uh, I can't uh, tell you uh, if they're going to win a national championship or not. I tell you, I had some teams that I didn't think we were going to be very good, but we got very lucky and we won a lot of games. And I think this is Coach Clay Helton's, uh, what is this, third year as head coach. And I think he'll get better every year, too. And the staff will get better every year, too. And you as a fan got to have more confidence, too. 
in the ability of your coaching staff because this is what it is. Sure, you'd love to have uh, uh, bigger name coaches. They they really don't have the big name assistant coaches. Okay, they got young staff, but they got a lot of enthusiasm. And they're at USC, and when you're at USC, you get players because you're at USC. Now you got to coach them, and I'm one that you know has always said, "How come Butch Jones? They don't have a Butch Jones or Norm Chow or people like uh, uh, Nick Saban gets as their consultant coaches." You you hear me talk of that? I don't hide any of that. But this is the way Coach Clay Helton does it, and this is his staff, and it's his hurrah. So, uh, and, uh, so he's got to do it his way. I always told my assistant coaches, when you became a head football coach, when you become one, you do it your way. Because you don't get an opportunity very often to become a Division One head football coach. There's not a lot of those positions. So if you're successful – you did it your way with a lot of good people around you and great players. And if you're not, you can't blame anybody because you did it your way. You can't blame, oh, I shouldn't have listened to him, or I should have done this, and I should have done that. I knew I shouldn't have done that. Do it your way. But you don't get a lot of opportunities to be a Division One football coach, especially at the level of USC. Certainly not. Um, and that's I think you can – a lot of you, whatever you want to say about Clay Helton, he's definitely doing it his way. Um, so that's, uh, I think that's all you can expect. You hire someone, you expect them to do it their way and not the way you want it to be done. So if you wanted yeah. it done a different way, you should have hired somebody else, I guess. <laughs> so, well, you're right, right. You're right. And, uh, and like I said, uh, you know, a lot of these guys are young guys. They haven't been coordinators before, except for Pendergrass. You know, a lot of these coaches haven't coached at this level before. Uh, but uh, they are doing it, and that means every year that they're at this level, they should be getting smarter and better because you uh, you learn by mistakes that you've made, and you don't want to be that way again. And if we really uh, have a problem if you haven't learned from your mistakes, and, uh, you know, you don't want that to happen to you again. All right, Coach. Well, great stuff. Um, yeah, we uh, look forward to one more week. One week left, three practices, Tuesday. Thursday, both at three o'clock ish, uh, on the USC campus, Howard Jones field. Um, they're open to the public. And then Saturday at noon will be the spring, uh, quote unquote game. That's not really a game noon on Cromwell field. Uh, you can go and check that out on the USC campus also for free. Um, not sure how many people are going to end up being there. Um, you know, they, they can hold a couple thousand in the stand. So, uh, we'll see how many end up coming out there, but We'll be out there. You're, you're going to the, the Saturday one, right, Coach? Well, I'm planning on it, okay. but I, I agree. I agree with you. It's uh, it's not going to be a it's not going to be a contact or any tackling taking you to the ground type of event. Uh, uh, I hate to see that. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to see it over on the field, or like I told you before, take it to El Camino College, or take it to where fifteen thousand people can fill the stadium like that, El Camino, and it's a celebration, and it's crazy, and people are there, and they can tailgate before it and do everything, and you can have a 50, 60, 70, 80-play scrimmage. Then you get really better. You get better. We talked about that. Uh, you don't give that opportunity, so I hate to see them waste a day, but, you know, as I said, you got to do it your way. Yeah, um, we'll see uh, how it ends up going. I'm very curious to see how this you know, I'm not going to go over and fight it. I'm going to tell you that. 
<laughs> uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. We've had a thousand people at the practices on on Saturday, and it worked fine around that field. If they let everybody just go all around the field or so on, or, but it first come, first serve or whatever, great. I don't yeah. know. But to have it, you know, where you can't hit on the field because of the sidelines and the tracks and the runways and the short end zones, and, and you can't put the crowd in the stands, what are you doing? I yeah. don't know. Uh, yeah, it would be good to get on, it back in the call. And I want to close year. negative. I don't want to close negative, but I am. Yeah. <laughs> because it doesn't make sense to me whoever's staging that event. Yeah. Not to stage it for the fans where people can sit in the stands and you give them a game program of all the jersey numbers. You don't they pay for it. You get all you become acquainted with your 2018 edition of the USC Trojan football team. And maybe you even introduce them one at a time and run them onto the field so people become acquainted with who they are. Like you do starting lineups and then you have a 50-60 play scrimmage where people get after it. And uh, everybody goes home happy. We'll see how it goes this and week. And you should get better, too, that way. You yes. get better. They they won't get any better on Saturday. Okay, I'm going to tell you that now. Oh, coach, with a little shade. All right. Well, well, well how, no, let me ask you. How do you get better without playing football? No, it's tough. Um, I I would love to see it be a lot like what we saw last Saturday. So we'll see. Maybe it'll it'll be more than, than we think it's going to be yeah, like that. I hope it is. But you know that feel is very dangerous if you do that. You yeah. know that. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, well, it's very dangerous. Right I wouldn't want to see him do that there. So if you want to hear that, I wouldn't want to see them do a full stage uh, scrimmage there because of, of like I mentioned, the, the things on the side where you get somebody hurt, you know, you run immediately right onto the track, and, and that's not good. Well, this is Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. Tweet him if you have any questions or go to his website, harveyhyde.com. And, Coach, we appreciate you coming on and – sharing all your insights and looking forward to the last week here of USC spring football. Well, buddy, I really appreciate it for all you out there. Remember mine's only an opinion. You have your opinion, but uh, you have what 15 days of spring practice. And I'll tell you every day is so important. Every minute, every play, every drill, everything you do, because it all comes down to, you know, which get, which play during the game is going to make the difference or what did you, didn't you cover? Not what you did cover. So uh, I think you got to do all of that. And, and Ryan, I enjoy doing this, and we want to thank all of our listeners out there, too, for being a part of this show, because without you, we don't have a show. Remember the Keith Jackson uh, celebration of life this uh, coming Sunday. Now it's Sunday at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, 4 to 6. 4 to 6. All right, go check it out at the Rose Bowl. Check out Harvey Hyde on Twitter at, Harvey, at Coach Harvey Hyde. Check me out on Twitter at Inside Troy. And like always, we do appreciate you being part of this Peristyle podcast family. Some of our listeners, we love it. We love the questions. We love the interaction. When you come up to us at practice and tell us you listen to the show, all that stuff is great. We really appreciate it. And like Coach said, you're the reason we do this. We can't do it without you. So it's a question-driven show. So thanks for all the great questions. Thanks for all the, the love on Twitter and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. And we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater.
You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 